0: God, this morning as we start a new series and kind of begin the summer and kind of are in some fresh, different space for worship and community together, uh, we ask that you would help us to be attentive not to walls and colors and lights and things like that as much as attentive to you. Help us to see the things you would have us see, to see the people that you would have us see. Help us to hear the things you would have us hear. Help us to become the people that you would have us become. We ask that you would plant within our hearts uh, seeds of your word and that they would grow. And that in that growth, uh, we would experience your joy and you would be glorified. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart if my words stray or deviate in any way shape or form from your word, may they be completely and forever forgotten. In the name of Jesus, amen. So this morning we're starting a new series. I'm kind of excited about it. Pretty excited. I'm excited. I'm going to get more and more excited about it as we go. In the back of the New Testament, there are three little books named 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, They were originally letters written by a guy named John Uh, We think it was the same John, we're not certain, but we think it was the same John who wrote the Gospel of John and the Book of Revelation, last book in the Bible. So probably the same John wrote all five of those, and there's a pretty good chance that that John was also the John who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. John, one of the three closest disciples to John, Uh, we think, we don't know for sure, but we think and uh, go with the idea that he was the author of those books and this book. We're reading this morning from 1 John, starting at chapter four, verse 16b. Listen closely, this is the word of God. God is love. God is love. And there's more, uh, there is more to that verse. There are two more sentences just in that verse alone. But in some ways, those three words, four in English, four in Greek, three in English, those three words are enough. They're enough forever. They're enough for us to chew on. They're enough for at least us to get started with. God is love. And as I sort of went through some of those, uh, through this passage and those words this week, I thought, there, there's that's just so little and so simple, and yet... The more you sit in it, the more you rest in that truth and reality in those three words, uh, the bigger the picture becomes. And the more, not complicated, but richer and more profound. God is love. There are lots of things that one could say that God is. There are lots of things that the scriptures say that God is or that God could be. God is holy. God is righteous. God is just. God is patient. God is good. The scriptures say that God is light. God is gracious and merciful. God is slow to anger. God is a consuming fire. The scriptures say God is a jealous God. God is like The wind, Jesus said. God is like a mother hen. And I could go on in this way for a while. You could go on in this way for a while. Christian theologians would affirm that God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is immutable these what theologians call attributes of God. But chief among all these attributes and all these truths and all these things that can be said about God and the overall thrust of the scriptures and especially the New Testament is that God is love. And particularly as God revealed himself in and through Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the rabbi, Jesus the Christ, Messiah. God is love. The one who knit us together in our mother's wombs is love. The one who set the stars and the galaxies in their places is love. The one who hovered over the deep before creating all that we see and know, everything that is, that God is love. And then there's DNA. Haploid human genomes consist of three billion. 54,815,472 dna base pairs, and the person or the intelligent being or the divine presence whom we call God, who revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh, call me Yahweh, is love. So said John, so say the scriptures. That's the picture the scriptures paint more than any other. And by love, I don't mean, we don't mean, the scriptures don't mean chocolate hearts or bouquets of flowers or candlelit dinners or romance by any way, shape, or form. Nothing wrong with that. But instead, the scriptures mean the will and the commitment to act benevolently benevolently for another's well-being and blessing, to love someone. And the Greek word here for most of you know this is agape, agape. That idea is to will and to be committed to, to act benevolently for another's well-being and blessing, to love someone for their benefit and not one's own. It's level 10 love. It's the highest expression of love, a pure and selfless love. It is the word used in the scriptures always of God and of God's activity. The great 13th century theologian, philosopher, priest Thomas Aquinas really was uh, early on in articulating this with these words. Love is the choice to will the good of another. Let's read that out loud. The choice to will the good of the other. To will and to act the, for the good of the other. God is this at the very core An essence of God's being, according to the scriptures. And in Jesus, he enacted this. I was uh, interacting with one of you this week about uh, U2's song and B.B. King, and how B.B. King got on stage uh, and did a little three-month tour, uh, and his uh, his sort of highlight song, B.B. King, I've mentioned this before, was when love comes to town and, Sort of, maybe, could be about Jesus, but very much could be another way of summarizing Jesus coming to, God coming to earth. Not just when Jesus comes to town. When he set up his dwelling, when John said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word uh, was God, he came and dwelt. He set up his tent. He moved into the neighborhood, Eugene Peterson said. Love came to town. This love who created, who is over all, who is in all, Was exemplified most in Jesus. God is love. Of course, one may not have picked up on this from our popular uses of the word love in our language and our culture. A person can be in love or love a thousand different things. And I use the word love this way myself probably every day. What are some of the things that you love, that I love, that we love? Spaghetti, donuts. What's that? Is your someone you once dog or one's pet or one's cat? Sunshine, the Niners, sports, the Giants, Trader Joe's. Okay, there got a lot of people. I, I mean, how many times have you said I love Trader Joe's? Right. Some of you have said I love Taylor Swift. Some of you have used other words to describe Taylor Swift. Uh, I love Fortnite, a teenager guy might say. I love whatever. Yeah, we have all of these loves, and, and we use that word in the English language, and it permeates our vocabulary. And yet it's not at all what the scriptures mean. Languages so often are insufficient. One's experience of god similarly may be different than what the bible describes as love many of us have an experience or what we know of god is shaped by religion or church or tradition but be clear god is not church god is not religion god is not tradition god is not a building god is not your memories from your childhood about some positive or not so positive church experience. God is love. I would say also that God is also not our earthly fathers or parents, not even the best of them and certainly not the worst of them. The 17th century French mathematician and physicist and inventor and Christian writer, Catholic Blaise Pascal once said that God made man in his own image and man returned the favor. People tend to have in our minds an image of God that is somewhat like or sometimes a lot like the parents we had, the dad we had, an authoritative figure in our lives when we were small, when our minds were forming. People tend to transfer their experiences of earthly parents onto God so that when one experiences one's earthly father or parent as angry or addicted or absent or abusive, a person can by default even subconsciously think of God in that way and those terms rather than as adoring which is who and how God really is, according to the scriptures and according to Jesus. That is who and how God is. The hardest thing for some of us to believe and appropriate is not that God exists. And it's not that God took on flesh and blood and Jesus became human incarnate. The hardest thing for many of us to believe, again, is not that God exists or that God took on flesh and blood in Jesus, but rather that God is love. Some of us right here, right now, and maybe many of us, maybe most of us, repeat a story in our head that goes like this. If I just be really good this year, If I just be really good, if I get up extra early in the morning and have a prayer time that's long enough and robust enough and sincere enough, if I memorize Bible verses, if I refrain from cursing while driving, if I do something really nice for a stranger, if I give away X amount of money, if I show up for worship on Sundays, if I look really good, if I seem to have my, if I actually do have my act together in some way, outwardly or inwardly, then God will love me. Then God will love me. Then God will love me more. Some of us live in that story. The problem with that story is that it doesn't think of God as God is. Simply love but rather as someone else on the other end of a transaction who is ready to remit or to approve if, and only if. For the above to be an accurate description of reality, then God would not be first and foremost love. In that case, God would instead be first and foremost among all of those possible qualities a judge, or an admissions officer from a university, or a data analyst, or a quality control officer? Think about that. The scriptures don't say God is an admissions officer. If you're good enough, if you had enough grades, if you did well enough on the SAT, if your GPA is such, if you have so many extracurricular activities, if you're a leader, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, then you will be admitted. Thank God that God is not an admissions officer or a data analyst or a judge or a quality control officer. The scriptures say simply God is love. And some of us are gonna leave this building, this campus this morning still not believing this is true or not living as if this is true, not living as if this is reality, as if this is really how things are and who God really is. Some of us will leave the campus and the sanctuary this morning still thinking otherwise. And no one's blaming you or me or anyone else for doing that on a regular or continual basis or an occasional basis, because that's the the world into which we were born. That's the water in which we swim. We constantly see other people and assign a value to them, do we not? By default, even the most loving and pure-hearted among us, based on any number of criteria, that when translated say they deserve love because... dot 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 Do we not in some ways at sometimes in some capacity live in that world And so also believe that that way of looking, seeing, viewing applies to us. That if I'm such and such, God will love me. If I'm good enough, if I do enough, if I'm pure enough, if I'm holy enough, if I'm right enough, if I'm loving enough. But that's not how God is. Simply, God is love. And what comes of that? is an overflow of the abundance of who and how God is. Love. And so on the one hand, that's all I wanna talk about this morning because just this one truth and reality is enough for me, it's enough for many of us to work on, digesting and holding close to with our minds daily, God is love and a lot is going on that spins out of and off of that truth. And we're going to see that over the coming weeks. Out of this core, initial, global, divine truth, so many other things spin off, and are byproducts of that. I'm going to call this uh, summer the Summer of Love, just for fun. So it will not be like the original Summer of Love, 1967, sort of centered on uh, the Hate ashbury district and everything that sort of came out of that summer. Uh, drugs and promiscuous sex and free love, that sort of thing. That, of course, is not what the scriptures talk about. On the one hand, I'm uh, content or nearly content to leave it this morning at just this one basic truth and reality that God's love and Let God work on us, helping us digest and appropriate this with our hearts and our minds this coming week, today, this afternoon, in the days, weeks ahead. In some ways, it's enough. On the other hand, as we gather around the table behind me this morning as a family, as an outpost of the kingdom of God, as the community of Christ, how can we not take this truth and reality just one step further this morning? God is love and in We'll spin out one thing. And so I'm gonna keep reading from 1 John chapter four, beginning at verse seven. Again, listen closely. These are the words of God written through a man named John. Older, older guy now, toward the end of his life. Dear friends, little ones, dear friends, let us love one another. I'm gonna go real slow through this so that we can hopefully read, listen, and digest and then focus. Dear friends, let us love one another. Why? For love comes from God. Yeah. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Because God is love. Synonymous, inseparable. God is love. Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God like we were good enough. We did something. We earned something. We merited his love. This is love, not that we love God, but that God, out of the overflow of who God is and was, loved us. And since his son is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. We're going to talk a lot about that this summer. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. I'm going to read that again. But if we love one another, God lives in us. Because God's love. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Cosmos. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. This mystical union we talked about a few weeks ago. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. We rely on that. Verse 16 again. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Do we live in reliance on God's love? God is love. Same line again. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And in those 10 verses, there's so much. I want to go beyond our primary point this morning, though, in just one way. There'll be time uh, for more of that, chapter 4, and lots of other scripture later. But for now, you hear these words. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God, who is love, loved us and sent his son himself as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And we see that, I mean, like, here's a, a truth. But we see that in the life and ministry of Jesus when he goes along and just sort of lives love. Love comes to town and interacts with all of these different people in the Gospels, each one of whom in a variety of ways, meeting them where they're at, he loves them. He defines love. He's the incarnation of love. He pours out love and truth and grace and mercy and reality and compassion. Words of healing. He is, he loved. And then from John's gospel, chapter 3, these familiar words. For God so loved the world, he just, out of the overflow of his love and who he is and who he was, He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God is love. This is primary. There is more. So much spins out of this primary truth. Among things that spin out of the truth is that God expressed his love by his sending of himself and Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, quote, so that we might live through him because God is love. It all goes back to God is love. Would you turn uh, to the person next to you or nearest to you and at, uh, at a, one at a time say to each other these words, God is love. And now one at a time, the same thing to those people. Would you uh, ask them this question and wait and let them answer. Just ask them and wait and let them answer. Do you know how much God loves you? Saw some arms out wide. Last question is, and go ahead and ask this. Do you know that God loved you and loves you by sending his son Jesus into the world to be an atoning sacrifice for your sin? That's a lot, but you can do it. Ask that person, look them in the eyes and ask them, do you know that God so loved you that he sent his only son into the world to be an atoning sacrifice for your sins? Do you know that God loves you that much. That's it. That's our starting point for a summer of love. But it's found. It's foundational. It's who God is. It's who the Scriptures. It's a. It's in some ways a summary of the Bible. And out of that. Sp- Bends goodness after goodness, after goodness, after goodness. Let's pray. Help us, God, when we understand you to be something less than, pure and holy love. In yourself, in and of yourself, Father, Son, and Spirit, willing good for the other and committed to such. Despite, or rather irregardless of who and how we are. And we haven't been much at times. We've pretended, we've talked ourselves into, some of us. Hoping, thinking, wanting to be better than we really are. Some of us, on the other hand, think we're worse than we are all of us reside in a in a world and a reality and a realm in which we need your love we live in a fallenness we're a part of that fallenness we contribute to that fallenness we confess that naming it as sin there's a chasm between us and you that we can't bridge what you've done for us coming to us in Jesus the Christ have mercy on us forgive us heal us restore us in your love through your love by your love may we receive that help us to receive you and in all of that be glorified in all of that may your kingdom come Amen.